0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 31st, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. As the Supreme Court weighs another case over school choice, what does tolerance really mean in the context of school choice? For many who oppose it, the most important fact is simply that parents have the ability to educate their children in facts that aren't facts and ideas that are generally disfavored. Cato's Neil McCluskey comments on tolerance and school choice for
1: you could probably say for the entire history of the United States of America we have been uh trying to figure out what the right relationship should be between church and state uh and a big part of this has been education Um, And sort of the history of it is for most of the history in which we've had public schools, and you would say that public schooling largely started in around 1840 with Horace Mann and the Common School Movement. But for much of that history, the schools were de facto Protestant institutions, but there was an expectation or a belief uh, that a proper American was somebody who was at least some baseline level of Protestant and some other stuff. Um, And with that as sort of a widely but certainly not universally accepted baseline, the public schools for most of their existence were sort of Protestant institutions. And where we saw the biggest problem with that was Roman Catholics who came in in great numbers. Um, And they said, look, there are elements of Protestantism, as anybody who knows their religious history knows, that are not compatible with Catholicism. And we would like money for our own schools. Um, And basically, we fought about that for um, many decades. Uh, And there was uh, somebody, a senator named James G. Blaine from Maine, who at one point said, well, we need to have— An amendment to the United States Constitution that says money, government money can never go to a sectarian institution, and that at the time was very well-understood code for it can't go to Catholic schools. Um, The evolution is then um, by the 1960s, we ceased to so much have a Protestant-Catholic problem, or or debate rather, as people say, you know what, it's kind of wrong for the public schools, government schools, to take any side. In among religions. And so, religion was removed, at least any official connection to religion, from the public schools. But that brought us to where we are now, which is that you cannot have a public school system that removes religion without taking some sort of position on religion. If you say religion should not be here, at the very least, you're saying religion isn't as important As non-religious explanations for lots of things that schools deal with, and there are lots of issues that inherently have religious connections: sex education, how you teach uh, the origins of life on Earth, um, what your bathroom policies are, all sorts of things like that. And so we we're still trying to find out, find you know, and settle on the right connection between government and uh, religion when it comes to education. And there's been now several Supreme Court precedents of saying, first at the federal level, there's no violation of the First Amendment if you have a voucher program and parents freely choose where that money goes. It's not a government entanglement with religion. It's actually treating religion equally. People can choose a religious school, another school. They're just not being forced to pay for one system that is not religious. People then say, though, that, well, vouchers are in part my money. And I don't want any of my money maybe going to a school that teaches things I don't like. It could be bad math, but it could also be religious values and beliefs I don't agree with. That's why we uh, uh, have—that's why there's an emphasis on tax credit programs where people choose whether or not to donate to scholarships, and ideally they choose where that who provides those scholarships? It could be a Montessori school association. It could be to Catholic schools. It could be to schools that focus on creating schools that are uh, friendly for LGBTQ students, anything like that. So we're continuing to try and expand both uh, freedom for funders, freedom for families. And that's what sort of Espinoza is about, is it's a tax credit program um, where people would be allowed to get take scholarships that are funded by people's donations to religious schools, non-religious schools, et cetera. But the state of Montana has one of these Blaine Amendments and said, ultimately, you know what? We can't have this program because it allowed people to choose religious schools. And so right now at the Supreme Court, what we're talking about is— Should the state be able to have a program that enables people to freely choose a religious school? And is it discrimination against religion to say those programs can't exist because they allow religion? At the same time, we're now having increasing debates about whether it's a tax credit program or a voucher program, should the state be able to run programs that include schools? that have policies that people think in particular discriminate against LGBTQ students. And it's become a very big issue in Florida because the Orlando Sentinel has run a series of articles essentially saying there are some hundred schools or so that have anti-LGBTQ policies, and they say that's discriminatory, and they have sort of targeted particular companies that provide money to the, scholarship, to the scholarship-granting organization. In the case of Florida, there's really only one main uh, scholarship-granting organization. And they said, look, companies, you said that you are— uh, uh, Pro LGBTQ, but you give money that can be taken to schools that have policies that are anti LGBTQ, and now we start to ask, well, when are these programs acceptable or not acceptable, and which schools are acceptable
0: to be in them? Leaving sort of the legal issues aside, uh, you know, what's the intuitive case for uh, people who are you know see this situation or see? Organizations that are granting scholarships that uh, represent views that are uh, disfavored uh, and, and may perhaps even offensive to some people. Uh, what's the case for those people being more tolerant of of that kind of expression?
1: So, the first thing that we should probably all take as an um, a baseline is that government should not be in the position to favor or disfavor any particular worldview about what is the good life, unless somebody says our worldview is we have the right answer to how you should live and we're going to force it on others. Then government should step in. But otherwise, we don't want government putting its thumb on the scale for any particular view of what is the right way to live. We want free people, civil society, to decide that amongst themselves. And so as a baseline, we should say, of course, we want school choice programs that freely allow people to choose different types of schools without government intervening. The worst case scenario is government takes your money and puts it in one system of schools, but it it's, it's, not as bad, but it's still problematic if government says, well, we'll let you have the money, but you can only choose among five different types of schools. That's the first thing is no matter what we think about what people's beliefs are, we should not accept government putting its thumb on the scale for some beliefs over others. But then it gets a little more complicated in that, well, should funders have some of their money potentially go to things they don't like? This is why. Vouchers are much better than the status quo the a single system of government schools, but this is why we want tax credits like exist in Florida where you choose whether to donate. But there's a problem in Florida of that in that you don't get to choose to whom you donate. Um, For instance, in Virginia, there are, I think, around 40 different groups you can donate to, various religious groups, non-religious groups, all sorts of schools. In Florida, you only have one. And so the situation they have now is people saying, companies, you shouldn't donate to these groups and take this credit because somebody may take that money to schools that do things that we think are horrible. And companies and individuals certainly need to be allowed to make a decision for themselves that I am not going to allow any of my money to go to that. If Florida had a program with multiple groups, that would be better. But as a general proposition, we should also be thinking, wait, I want to enable people to choose what they think is right. And if I don't give money to the scholarship granting organization because of one group's decisions, I'm still sort of saying, okay, as government, we're going to favor one group over another. But it's a very, it's a pretty gray area in Florida because you can't choose among different organizations. I do those ultimately think tolerance is we will not have the government put its thumb on the scale for one group versus another. And even in Florida, that school choice program is intended to enable people to pick something other than the public schools that otherwise everyone has to fund.
0: Neil McCluskey directs Cato Center for Educational Freedom. And now it is time for a shout out to a Cato podcast sponsor. Trevor Keensley, thank you for your generous support of this podcast and the Cato Institute. It is always heartening for me to know that this podcast is not only listened to, but appreciated enough to back with a financial commitment. So thank you. And you can subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.